All right, Matthew 18. It's because I, uh, I walked through a, not a cobweb, but a spider web. So y'all can thank me because it was in the auditorium right there by, by that table. Pretty, pretty sticky, and I'm, I'm still feeling creepy crawlies walking all over me. So, <clears throat> All right. Matthew, in chapter 18, is our, what we would call uh, pretty much our full revelation text. That's what preachers look for. We look for, uh, if the Lord's going to talk about a topic, where does, he, where does He lay out the topic and all the rules around it? And I'm using, I'm not sure that's the exact term we use, but something along that line of the full revelation text or um, the text that helps us figure out what the, what the general rules and procedures are. And so the Matthew 18 passage, uh, verses 15 through 22, is our primary uh, primary uh, verses on this. We will be looking at some other passages because this isn't the only passage that deals uh, with issues in the church that need to be corrected uh, in the form of how we take care of a person. Okay, So, Matthew 18, why don't you go ahead and stand. So we just have a few verses here, so we're going to read verses 15 through 22. If you're, if you're able and willing, please stand and honor the reading of God's Word. So, <clears throat> Matthew 18 and verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass... Now, you know what I'm saying. That's the, a brother in Christ. It's not, we're not talking about family brothers here. We're talking about a brother in Christ. Okay? If thy brother... Sh- well, that would include brothers. Max and Caleb. <laughs> and a few other people in here that have brothers. But anyways... If thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, Tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you that if two, two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, It shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Not... And again, we understand that he's not literally saying count out 70 times 7 and that's when you no longer have to forgive him. He's using a hyperbole, you know, tell the cows come home, that kind of idea, okay? Just, you just keep right on to doing it, okay? So, amen. So let's look at the discipline uh, of a church or in a church. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have not left us even 
without recourse or without knowledge on how to handle things like this properly, Lord, how to handle uh, differences between brethren, severe differences, Lord, or uh, to trouble or a problem in the church. We, we are human. This is part of our life, Lord, and thank you for giving us good and clear instructions on how we should um, enter in on these problems and even how, Lord, how we should carry them even to the extreme as, Lord, as little as we would like to do that, Father. Lord, help us not to use our own hearts and minds and our own quote-unquote good judgment in place of the process that you're given us that's so clear. Thank you, Lord, uh, for it. Pray that you'd teach us, and we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. Now, we're going to walk through this again in two... There's one of those creepy crawlies again. We're going to walk through this in two different parts, um, just because I know how I am, and I don't want to keep you till oh, dark 30. So, but... So, a New Testament church, well, we've talked about this. Remember, it's a local, visible, and by, by that, when we look at it, if it's an assembly, uh, it's, it's an organized thing. Remember, we talked about the body and the bride and the building, the, all three of those things, there's organization there. So a church, by definition, a New Testament church, by definition, is an organized assembly of baptized believers. So when you say organized, that, that tends to indicate that there are policies, procedures, rules, practices that are to be expected in an organized assembly. Because how can you function if you're not organized? If someone chooses to be disorganized, there's a problem in the New Testament example that God has given us. So how do we take care of that? So if you think about this even, that... um, A New Testament church, which is a body of Christ, cannot function properly without organization, which which implies rules and standards. Your own body needs to be brought under subjection, does it not? Isn't that what Paul said? Your own body needs to be brought under subjection. So it should be no great thing that we would think that the Lord's body Uh, should occasionally need to be, by our choice and by our practice, be brought also under subjection. Uh, So again, if we're to be effective servants of the Lord, 1 Corinthians 9.27, then our our bodies need to be brought under subjection. Thus, you've been hearing my recent references about my own fasting because my body thinks it's got, my body's becoming a princess and it needs to learn who's, who's the one in charge here. So, and it's, let me tell you, it's quite the fight. I'm not going to get into the scary details. You all got your own details for that matter. So, But anyways, so let, listen to this. Church discipline is the act of a church keeping itself under subjection to the divine laws of Christ in order to be effective for Him. Okay, This does not always have to run all the way to the, to the end of excluding a brother. As a matter of fact, Two-thirds of this whole thing that we've been giving is not excluding a brother. That's only the very end road. There's, we're supposed to be able to solve it before it gets that far. Um, it's not, church discipline should never be a witch hunt. Never. That's not the purpose of church discipline. It's not like, uh, I mean, we're not out here, uh, you know, um, 
We're not out here asking all the brothers, I mean everyone in the room to be, uh, what is it, was it the brown shirts? Is that what they, what they used in, was that what Hitler used, the brown shirts? The ones that reported on each other? You know, you know t- make sure, report on, report on your neighbors. You know, and I'll I tell you, sometimes we get a little close occasionally when we do the see something, say something, and how people apply that. Okay? Now, granted, there, if, you're, if you're passing by a horrific crime going down and you're not calling the police, hello? But the see something, say something because you're suspicious of something or because you want there to be something? You know, now be careful. This is, this is the, the church, this whole discipline thing is not a, that they're supposed to be you know, well-meaning members out there with their, with their magnifying glasses examining every other brother looking for something that they can bring up before the board or the pastor or the church. Do you know what I saw? Okay, that, that's, that is not church discipline. That's probably just, frankly, gossip, and you need to mind your own business, okay? But anyways, now, and again, we, have, we know why it's brought up. We know when to bring it up. I mean, it's all quite clear. I'm telling you, there's been a lot of church splits over things like this right here. The mishandled, mis- not handled well, or even, um, I'm just telling you, when it comes to the point so severe, when you have to bring someone before the church, and people are thinking, uh, that's a severe point. That's a crisis point in a church. You understand that? It's not just like a zit on your face. It's like a, it's like a broken arm or a cancer. You know, they, things have to, there's serious work has to be done, and uh, people can be affected uh, by that. Has anybody here ever got sick and lost a lot of weight? Hello? Nobody? That's a bunch of liars. I'll say, yeah. I had mono, just mono, and I lost like 15 pounds in eight days, you know, just throwing up and, and all that kind of stuff. That happens when, when churches get sick, you get a crisis point, sometimes... People disappear. So part of the whole process of this discipline practice is to help us put in practices that keep us from having to get to the point where we're expelling someone from the church. That's the whole idea of Matthew 18. So so the biblical church discipline is, is literally, it's supposed to be a continuous process. Okay, and if you remember me saying, and I, I remember even the looks on a few people's faces, a mature church has people apologizing to each other all the time. Maturity brings a concern that I am not an offense to a brother or that I have not, have not been offense. Maturity, maturity is not, I don't have to apologize. I ain't going to apologize. As soon as I say that, you know that's not mature. You know that's the, that's the attitude of a, you know, like a 10-year-old or a preteen. Well, sometimes even adults, but you know. That's, we know, we know that I'm not going to apologize. That, that's infantile. The mature person is the one who seeks reconciliation because the relationship is more important. Okay, let me ask you a question. Katrina, I know you love this, but can you come here a sec? I need you because you're the only one I have here. <laughs> What's more important? Every time. Every time she's more important than my money. Every time. Why would I destroy this relationship over this? 
Come on now. Well, she owes me. So you're going to destroy a relationship because of money? Come on now. Let's be, let's be a little serious about this. Are, are you hearing me? This is, there, is, there is nothing that should bother this relationship. Now it happens, doesn't it? Maturity demands that one of us step forward and make it right. Maturity. And it doesn't matter which is the older person. It matters the first person to step forward and make it right and the response of the other person. That's maturity. Money doesn't... Listen, people are way more important than anything else that's available on this planet. Period. Period. Amen. Thank you. I appreciate that, girl. There's, there, are, there are things that... And I'm just using that as an example. Now, here's the deal. In this church, we're not just a bunch of citizens of Jerome Bible Baptist Church. We are brethren. We are family. And the relationships in this body, they are so important that that's why we have this Matthew 18 process. It should be, it should be that if we, if we go home and it bothers us that we said something, we shouldn't go, eh, they're a big kid, they'll probably get over it. At some point, if the Lord's leaving it on us, we probably ought to go, hey, you know, when we had that conversation, I said such and such, and I just want to be sure. Oh, you're being a worrywart. No, I'm not talking about being a worrywart. I'm talking about making sure that a brother knows that you are fulfilling what Christ is supposed to told us to do, is to love each other. And you might be the one to say, you know what, I didn't mean that to sound like it did. And then you might find this. You might find the other person going, what? Oh, no, I didn't think a thing. Uh, Don't worry about it. And you know what? You're relieved. They're appreciative that you made sure that the relationship was good. Or maybe you call up and say that and you might hear, you know, I really appreciate you saying that. Because, man, the devil's been working on me. And when you said that, it, it, it just felt like, Man, I can't even come to church and get people to, my own brethren. And you finally hear somebody saying, you know what, I didn't mean that to sound that way. Or I said that, you know, and I shouldn't have said that that way. Please forgive me. I want to make sure. You never, you hear what I'm saying? That is the most important, that is a, I can't even tell you. This is the, this is the sign of maturity. So, okay, we'll just carry one more illustration here. Two people, they're married. Never apologize to each other. Is the marriage in love going to last? They might live in the same house. They might even discuss some of the same topics, but we talk in a wall between them. That they might carry, they might, they might wear the rings and hold hands on the whole bit till the day they die, but without somebody saying, I'm sorry, I was wrong. If you cannot say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, including your own kids, by the way, something wrong. That's not maturity. That's not maturity. So this is where we're going with this. We're trying to get to a church. This should be a constant practice in a church. This Matthew 18, it's not like this, you know, holdover for for some time when it really gets bad. This is a practice for churches to be using all the time. Okay? And and we're going to look at here in a little bit. So the authority. Let's start off with the, the authority for church discipline. Okay? Well, in this, in this passage, we're, and we're going to eventually get to the little bit clearer part of it, but the, scripture, the scriptural authority is here revealed 
that the church is the one that has the authority, okay? And we're, we're going to get there eventually, but inside this thought of the authority for church discipline, if we look at the passage, it starts off with the, a method, okay? The, the, the authority of Scripture teaching us the method that, is, that it wants us to pass through. There are three steps. Three steps here, right? Look at verse 15. Three steps. This is how the Lord teaches His churches to deal with offenses and sins. Those are not the same thing. Offenses, not, listen, don't start hearing the word offense like this woke generation is where they're choosing to be offended at everything. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? Although, it, it might be helpful to have some of those conversations even with the generation that does feel that offense is to sit down and have some conversations about that and maybe it might be a good thing for some of us. But anyways, number one, verse 15, moreover, here we go, if thy brother, and again, this also includes Ladies, this isn't, this isn't just talking just to men. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee. What's a trespass? You've been, in your mind, it's something someone did that it's kind of hard not to call it a sin or at the very least a pretty good hurt. Okay? Is everybody here? Now, and some people are saying, well, I just, you just need to learn to grow up past hurt. You know, that sounds really good, and I know there, there are times when, yes, you know, that, you know, you're being a child if you're always running to everybody else, and they're always the problem, and you're not. That's not a good thing. But we're talking about something where somebody has looked at you and said something, and even people nearby are going, what was that? You hear what I'm saying? A trespass. If thy brother shall trespass against thee. So all we have right now is two people. We're, not, we're, we're in a church context, but we're only with two members of that church. Will other people know about it? No. Is it between, who's it between? Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. There you go. This should be happening between believers, not rarely. Not rarely. And I'm not saying it should be happening like every day, but this should be a standard practice. Okay? And we're going to get even further where we find out if you think, if you think a brother's got something against you, you take care of it. So ultimately, we're, we're at the point where whether they offend you or you offend them, somebody got to step forward and take care of it. Just the two of them. You know, that's not what we do, though, is it? We always use these, these really... No, here's, 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 it's pretty clear from the Bible, right? Somebody hurts you, what do you do? You go talk to that person, right? Isn't it funny, though? We all start, we all start turning into people who are seeking out wisdom. Hey, you know, you know not the preacher, not one, of the, not one of the elders of the church or anything like that, you know, Hey, friend, best friend, so-and-so said such-and-such about me. How's the best friend going to react? Are you kidding me? They said, what? They've suddenly chosen sides, and they don't even know the whole story yet. They're your best friend. Ain't nobody touching my friends, I'll tell you that. But hey, I need some wisdom. How do you think I should handle this? Don't you love, listen, don't you just love the families that don't ever talk to each other? They tell this cousin who tells that cousin who tells that uncle it goes to that aunt, goes to that friend of the family for years and who comes down to that brother who comes to your, your cousin, your first cousin who goes to your brother that you finally hear about it. 
Well, last Christmas, that's wrong. What does it say? You got hurt? Who do you talk to? Who's the only person you should be talking to? Come on. The person that hurt you. Amen. That's the only person. This is real simple. Why? Those, shoo, you know, that's just, you know, so here's the cop out. Oh, that's really hard. No, duh. Because adulting is easy, right? Mature people have to learn how to have confrontational conversations without losing their cool and walking into them with the possibility that the person who I think sinned against me, they might not have. Because what, do I, what does 1 Corinthians 13 tell us? Thinketh no evil. Long-suffering. Now, what if they did say it to be mean? Well, then you, then you address it. Well, how many times do I have to go address it? Well, I think about as often as you have to forgive it. Don't, and, and stay away from the stuff. Well, you always... Yeah, did, did the last time you deal with this, did they ask for forgiveness and you give it? Yes. Then that's history. It's history. The person who goes... Well, I remember back on 1938, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, you said, hey, we already talked about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in 1943, (laughs) and in 1984, and 86, and 87, at the same meeting, you said, no, you you choose not to remember those things, especially if they've been dealt with. Because that's done. It's over. There needs to be forgiveness and seeking forgiveness, not a... Yep. Well, I'm glad that's, un- that's taken care of and no one said I was wrong. No, that's, that's not right. There needs to be somewhere in there that says, okay, I was wrong. I thought you meant this. Or, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't have said that. I was wrong. People get away with saying, I'm sorry, so often. They're not sorry. Learn to, learn to tell the truth. I, let everybody here, let everybody, everybody say it after me out loud. Ready? I was wrong. Hey, not too bad. Some of you actually said it out loud. This is a good thing, okay? So, so this is between two people. And the purpose here, what's the purpose in, in verse 15? If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. That's the purpose. You don't walk into these conversations with a hammer and a nail saying, you did this to me, and with a labeler that says, you're a liar, or you're a, you're a hurtful person. Or, you know, you're, you're one of those, you're, you're a, oh, what's those old terms, you know, you're choleric or whatever it is, you know. You, you must be bipolar because we want to slap a label from the, word, the world on it. Get, get that junk out of, your, out of your head. The only thing you're working with is the issue that's at hand right now. You're not working in issues past or issues forward. You're not trying to determine whether or not they have a condition you're dealing with the sin that was caused the hurt and that alone. Period. Amen. Boy, the world likes to put labels on people, don't they? Labels, labels, labels for everybody. And none of those labels can be healed when the world gives it to you because then you have an excuse to act like you do and you don't have to say you're sorry. No. If you sinned, own up to it 
Amen. Why? Because the, the relationship with the brother is way more important than your stinking pride and telling a lie. Amen. Personally. Get right with your brother. If he hurt, if he literally, if he sins against you. I think most people understand a trespass, so don't start trying to throw in arguments here. Don't start trying to throw in these weird hypotheticals. Somebody punches you in the face, is that a trespass? Yeah. Someone calls you the wicked witch of the West with a not, no sarcasm? Is that a trespass? Hello? Hello? <laughs> Personally. So there's the first one. So our, our goal should be not to spread it around. Brother Dan says something to me and I don't like it. Hey, Brother Greg, can you believe what Brother Dan said? No. Oh, Brother Craig, would you pray with me about this? No! Oh, this is easy, isn't it? Hey, this is a lot better. Ding dong. Because there's a lot of things that words on a screen or a voice over a phone can't communicate when you're looking at somebody eye to eye. Go to. Isn't that what that passage says? Somebody read it. What's verse 15? What's that, what does it say? Go. I'll say, go and tell him. Not the phone. Not the text. You go to him. And you say, you know, that was hurtful. You know, you know what's funny is most people, in most cases, aren't always trying to be hurtful. Now, granted, there's been times I pulled out the spear, the verbal spear and threw it. And knew it. You know what I'm talking about? And when somebody comes and says, I don't appreciate that. That's that spear coming back, isn't it? Everybody here? Oh, isn't this fun? Is everybody having fun yet? So that's first step one. Go to, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Amen. It's funny how... When somebody just, they have to feel like, like they've got to be involved. So let me just tell you, sometimes things like this, you do talk about it with your wife or a spouse or something like that. You know, and when, when somebody's always got to come along, they, they don't need to be anywhere near that situation. Well, why don't you let me come with you? Uh, no. <laughs> Let's just, me and, me and this person by ourselves, that'll work. No extras. No extras. Why? Because I'm just telling you, my wife is, you all know my wife, sweet and wonderful as all get out. But you touch her kids, her hubby, and um, her preacher, which was still uh, the Abel's brother, brother, preacher and Miss Robin, and you're going to find a whole different side of, of Miss Dana that has walls up, spikes out, cannons ready, bring it on. <laughs> okay? So, and she's doing that because she's supporting her people. And that's a natural thing for humans, isn't it? It's natural for us to rise to defend our family. To rise to defend those that are close to us. So, when there's an issue between you and a brother, you better be careful who you're sharing that with. Because you might actually, I'm especially, I'm just telling you, you might actually cause a problem between two other people, but, and there's no problem there. The problem is between you and them. 
Amen. All right, let's move on. Now you understand how come I split this into two parts. So number one, personally. Number two, plurally, if you will. That's the note here. He likes to alliterate. It's not my big thing. but Verse 16. But if he will not hear thee, so you go to your brother, you say, listen, you know, this, this wasn't right. Well, I don't care if it's right or not. You can just go suck eggs. <laughs> well, now, brother, I want to get this right. And I ain't getting this right. Listen, has anybody here ever been mad enough to do that? I just admit it. Okay? I have. If you come to me too quick, I'm like, mm. Okay? I don't want to let go of my anger about this. I want to be mad at you. Sometimes that happens. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. You know what it could also be is that you think a sin's been committed against you and you go to that other person and they're looking at you going, I don't know what I did wrong. I I would love to apologize, but I don't know what I did wrong here. You know what I'm saying? And it's left unsettled. That's when you, find, find, you go find someone else. Again, this is probably a good place to find someone who has a walk with the Lord and you know they do. Amen? And you bring them in. You say, listen, I, would you come with me to be an arbiter here? That's a good word, to be an arbiter, an ombudsman or something like that. To a liaison, somebody who could listen to both of us and... And then that third, third, or third, or maybe a third and fourth person can walk in, and then they listen to the two talk. And then they look at the two and say, they might look at the person who uh, made the accusation and said, "No, bud, he's not in the wrong. You are on this. You've taken, you've been a little bit too touchy on this, or you're you're seeing this, but that's not what he's doing. So you get a you know an outside viewpoint to help you see the truth of the matter." Amen? When two people can't come together, it's a good thing for... We used to call my sister the peacemaker. The the middle sister, my middle sister, Christy, my Auntie Christy, my kids would call her. But she was the peacemaker. We'd all gather as a family, you know, and if she sensed any tension whatsoever, you know, we're Knutsons, and Norwegian, and German, and English. I mean, just like, yeah, tension's bound to be there, no question about it. So... There'd be tension. She'd be in there listening, and she'd hear both sides, and she'd say, okay, well, no, what he's saying is this. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So, and, she, and she would draw the two together. That's why the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. You hear that? Because they're constantly trying to put people who should be at ease, at ease. And that's what those, that's what those third and fourth people are for. They're not, they're not your little buddy group to go get your balls and chains and go attack the person that you think hurt you. That's not what this is about. And if you think it is, you're misusing the teaching of Scripture for your own advantage and to hurt a brother. And by the way, to purposefully hurt a brother would be directly against most of the teachings of Scripture about loving your brother. Amen? So it's not getting, it's not getting your little support group around you to go in and attack the person that you think hurt you. Again, Probably a wise thing to find someone who's got some spirituality about them, who's maybe got some wisdom about them, who can come in literally and listen to the both of you and maybe point fingers both ways or at one way and say, mm. or even say, you guys, are, you guys are talking and not hearing each other, so this is what he's saying and this is what he's, you're saying. 
And listen, well, that's gonna, that could take a really long time. Yeah, and usually it's worth it. What is the goal? To gain your brother. That's what verse 15, that's what the goal is. You want to gain your brother. You hear that? You want to, you want to restore the relationship. That's the whole purpose. That's the whole idea of this whole thing. To restore the relationship. Why did Jesus die on the cross? To make way for there to be a relationship. He sacrificed himself so that there could be a relationship. I'm just going to tell you, adult conversations take a long time sometimes. That's why we have peace talks, not a peace coffee at the local Beans and Brew. No, it's days and days of back and forth and back and forth. Why? Because when adults have to talk about serious things, there should be, there should be openness and honesty and seeking to find common ground, and sometimes that takes a while. I'm just telling you, listen, this, this may come as a surprise to you, but as much as you think you're understanding what everyone else is saying, it's probably not true. And if you go home and rethink it, it's worse. That's why you look at the person and you keep talking back and forth. I'll tell you a really good one. This is one of the things, and I have to be careful doing this, but one of the things that my wife and I have learned to do is called reflective listening. In other words, they say, well, when you did this, when you said that, that really hurt, or that hurt made me feel like this. I say, so are you saying, and then rephrase it how I understood it. Not the same way they said it, but how I understood it. Reflective. I, I say back to them what I think I heard. And it gives, gives her an opportunity or me an opportunity to say, no, that's not what I meant. Let me back out and come at it another way. That's adult. Adulthood doesn't suddenly mean that you have a way with words and can say everything perfectly. Adulthood means that you work until you are understood and that you also understand. Seek to understand. Amen. And seek to be understood. Everybody here? That means there could be some long conversations in the middle of all this. Amen. Personally, and then plurally, and like it says, every word may be established. That, that does make it nice. If it ever does go further, the, the, one of those people who say, no, no, you said, because humans are really good at changing track in the middle of an argument, aren't we? You ever, ever, the, the person who constantly changes, an arg, changes the, the, moves the walls just a little bit in an argument so they can win it. You know, so you were talking about, you know, prairie dogs, and all of a sudden you're talking about, you know, breakfast at Burger King. You're like, wait, how did we get here? There's people that are good at that too, that constantly shifting, okay, taking the, the, the latest thought and going about it. It's like, no, no, that's not what we're talking about here. So you want, sometimes you need other people. That's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. The purpose and the whole goal of this is to make sure that you can restore the relationship amongst brothers. Amen. All right, and then thirdly, he's using the word publicly, and I don't like that word, but it's church. So it is, it is opposed to personal, and I, I do understand that. So inside the church, it, it, inside the church, if two people can't work it out and a, and a couple of extra people with them can't work it out, then it needs to be brought before the church, and the whole thing needs to be laid out. Okay. And if the person refuses, if the person at fault continues to reject even the will of the church at that point, okay, 
well, this is what they said, and this is what I said, and this is what they said. That means there could even be occasionally. Now, I think this should be fairly rare. I'm just telling you, this should be rare. That it actually would have to come before the church. That should be a rare thing. Two people should be able to get a hold of two people should be able to get a hold of themselves and seek God's face enough to love each other like Christ loved us. And yes, maybe every once in a while I need a little bit of help doing that, but it should rarely have to come in front of the church. Now, granted, open sin, I mean, I just, if he shall neglect to hear the church, hear them, tell it unto the church, but if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. So if a man, if a, whoever is at fault in this thing comes out and refuses to get it right, refuses to seek the restored relationship, refuses to give forgiveness or ask for forgiveness, just refuses by all stretch saying, I'm right, I'm not wrong, you're not then because he's making himself more important than the relationship and the body of the church, then he has to become separated from all those things so that he can understand what it is he's losing. He's, only by pride cometh contention. So he stands on his own two ground and the rest of the church says, you're wrong in this. You're wrong in this. And you need to get right. And until you're willing to get right, we're going to have to we're going to have to part ways for a while. Amen. This isn't this isn't shunning, okay? It's it is it is, and we'll get specific. But essentially, he cannot partake of the Lord's Supper. Period. Okay, he cannot partake in church votes. Cannot partake in anything regarding the church. Some churches take it as far as he's not allowed to attend. I think in most cases, somebody that went this wouldn't want to attend, but. The purpose again, well, we'll get there. Anyways, let him be under this heathen man and the publican. So that's the scriptural method. Okay, now the scriptural authority. Where's the authority alive? Now it's interesting. Look at, look at how the progression here goes. It says between two people, right? Then take it to a few more in verse 16. And then verse 17, if he neglect to hear the church, if he neglect to hear them, tell them the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, there's no more appeal. There's no higher, in other words, in matters of, matters of discipline or a wrong, a wrong between two brethren, the church is the highest court of appeal. You don't get any higher. You see that. And Jesus even says, here's, here's my authority I'm going to add with it. If you guys bind it, I'll consider it bound. You guys loose it, I'll consider it loosed. Whatever, you put, whatever the church dictates, is, is as if it has my authority. So uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians in chapter 5. We may do three, three Wednesday nights on this. We'll see. 1 Corinthians in chapter 5. Look at verse 4. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I, he's only got that one verse, and I want to read that context because the context is necessary. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians in chapter 5. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, verse 1, and such fornication as is not so much as named among, among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily, as absent in body but present in spirit, have judged already, as though I were present, concerning him that hath done, so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus, look at that. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
when ye are gathered together and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. He is adding again the same thing that's being said back there in Matthew 18 that when you gather together and make and the church gathers together and makes a decision about the offense of a brother, the church, the, the Lord Jesus Christ adds his authority to that decision. You don't get any higher. It's not like you can suddenly appeal to God as if he's higher. No, that is the highest court of appeal right there. The church's highest court you can get. Now, early churches actually practiced this. Okay? Um, so, uh, Revelation chapter 2. I'll read a couple of verses for you here. You can turn it if you want. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. I know thy works, he says to the church at Ephesus, and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. You see that? The church tried them. <laughs> That's the church. Okay, it's kind of an interesting thing. So they put this process, they, they applied uh, the whole church against the, the teaching of the false prophet. Okay? Uh, look back also at 1 Timothy. Whoops. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add another passage just to make sure I got my finger in here. There we go. When you get a lot of passages, there's just not enough little stickies you can put in your Bible. So, 1 Timothy in chapter uh, 1. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophet, verse 18, sorry, verse 18, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou, mightest, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Now that we just read that back in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5. Do you remember? When you are gathered together in my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit might be saved in the day of judgment. So they, they practiced this thing. They practiced this, this form of, of discipline. So false teachers put on trial. People who refused to get right were delivered unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, if need be. Now granted, that's at, that's at an extreme point where someone is so uh, full of angst and anger against the church and an unwillingness to get right that the church has to go, we can't do anything with this. And I, I mean, I, even don't, I don't even like the term, delivered unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. That just sounds awful. But it's not for the destruction of the soul. It's that the soul might end up, the spirit might end up where it's supposed to be in heaven, but the flesh has got to go. Because the flesh has so consumed the man that he can no longer, apparently, no longer even respond spiritually. That's an awful thing to think about, isn't it? Uh, I think I've told you this before, but I actually know, I know the church and the pastor uh, where the church was moving in a certain direction and things were going well, people being saved, and one man in the church did not like it. And they, they talked to him privately. I mean, that, the whole the whole Matthew 18 process. And they were extremely patient, like talked to him over and over and over and over. And he would stand up in the middle of a business meeting where the church already knew what they were going to do. And he would begin to, he would begin to spout almost vile hatred against everyone who was going to vote for this thing. And I don't even think it was anything like 
wasn't even like anything around legality or doctrine or whatever. And they prayed about it and talked about it. And the men, I mean, they didn't know what to do. And finally they sought and the, a man showed them about this. And the guy again, that last business meeting, he stood up and he began to fuss and holler. And the preacher said, brother, we've already talked about this. And you've crossed a line and we're now going to turn you over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. And within a week, that man was dead on church property by a massive heart attack. I go, holy cow! Now, I'm not saying that's proof of anything. But it's kind of hard not to see that and go, oh! It, it sounds to me a lot like Ananias and Sapphira. Doesn't it sound like that to you? I mean, it, it would make people stand up and go, ooh, I don't want to mess with this. Okay? So just, and again, I don't use that as a proof illustration because we take Scripture, we take Scripture above, but it's hard not to look at that and go, wow, that's just incredible. So, so the church is the highest authority on the matter. So listen, when, so you understand how important it is that a church make a good decision when it comes to a matter of, of discipline. That, that person, we are leaving them no recourse except for the path that we give them. So we have to be very sure. This isn't something I think that should be done just off the cuff. There should be prayer about this, serious prayer and talking and maybe even some fasting, not something, all right, we're going to meet tomorrow night. Matter of fact, call everybody tonight. Mm, no, probably not a good idea. Let's pray about this. Let's talk about it. Maybe we'll bring the men in and have a meeting. We'll talk and we'll talk and we'll talk. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, I have been... As, as a leader of a church, as a leader in a church, not the pastor, but I have been in meetings where we had to address a situation like this four hours and more. It's not fun. It's horrid. But when we left, everything was settled. The brother had admitted guilt. There was discipline assigned, proper a proper response was assigned. That the meetings, I mean, you walk, you just you get home and you just feel like somebody just unplugged every bit of energy you got and it's all drained out. But at the thank the Lord, thank the Lord, by the end of it, the brother was gained. We gained the brother. That's an astounding thing. And how quick it is when, listen, how quick and how often people are saying, well, I'm just going to tell you, the deacons and the preacher, they should have done something about that. Really? Mm-hmm. So you just want to run, you want us to run in there and just start tossing people out left and right, huh? Well, you got to do something. Yeah. How about you put yourself in that position? You're the one who's, who's on the hook. And we're all looking at you. You want us to rush in there and make a decision? Start throwing people out left and right? You hear what I'm saying? What, what, what is the goal the goal is the restoration, to gain the brother. Now, there are times when the brother cannot be gained, and we're going we're gonna to look at that in the future as we go there. But again, I, I want you to, to look back at our Matthew 18 passage here. And uh, I've, I've I kind of already addressed it a little bit. Whoops, that's Mark. <clears throat> Matthew 18 and verse... 18. Verily I say unto you, again, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. In other words, 
It's God's going to ratify our decision. To ratify is to, to make official and valid. So if a church makes a final decision, listen, that we, again, that's a serious thing. When a church makes a decision like this, Jesus Christ himself is going to reach down and put his stamp of approval on, on that decision. So these are serious, serious matters. We just don't run around tossing people out. You know, and it's easy to stand in your corner from a distance, isn't it, and say, well, they just need to do something about that. Isn't it? Come on now, be honest. Stand over and, how come the preacher don't take care of that? Well, how come that parent don't take care of that? How come that Sunday school, how come that junior, you hear? They should just go over there and do something about that. That's what they need to do. I'm just going to tell you what. Right. And you remember that your language right now, if that was the whole church, the Lord would step forward and say, I approve of this brother being destroyed in the flesh so that he can just go to heaven and be done. Seriously? Let's be careful here. Let's be careful. If we're, if we're exercising the authority of Jesus Christ in the matters of discipline, maybe it would be really good for us to go back to the very first part of Matthew, of this whole process in verse 15, and start making things, keep really short accounts with all of our brothers. If I think I've hurt someone, I'm going to run to them and make sure. If, if it feels like someone hurt me, I'm going to run to them and make... You hear me? Amen. Confess your faults one to another. Don't wait for somebody to come to you. Confess your faults one to another. You blew it? Admit it. Own up to it. Amen. And say, I was wrong. Keep short accounts. The whole purpose of church discipline... Your pride is not worth losing one of the members of this church. You know, they've told, they've told Brother Jared, because of the severity of the accident that he had several years ago, that eventually he's going to have to have knee replacements, probably hip replacements. And if you don't know, Brother Jared was run over by a, a, an 18-wheeler, fully loaded, and he's had many, many surgeries. And uh, they've told him eventually he's going to have to have uh, replacement knees and replacement hips probably and all that kind of stuff. But they want him to keep his original equipment because the body functions best with all its original parts. Replacements in, 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 the, in the medical world, a fake knee is never going to be as good as even a, a broke-down original. So if I could, just let me say this. We're so quick to want to cut people out of the body. And what God wants us to do is maintain the originality of what He put together. He wants us to maintain as best we are able the body that He put here. Amen. That doesn't mean that there's not going to be hurt, that there's not going to be things that have to be corrected, that there's not going to be things that need to be dealt with. But there should be brother going to brother, going to brother, taking care of their issues, making sure that there's nothing between them, not sitting in their corners, throwing mind daggers across the way whenever they think about it, but getting it right so the body can function. And you, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself uh, on that lesson, but that's, that's kind of where we're going. So, amen. Don't be slow about getting things right individually one-on-one. Father,
Lord, thank you for the good instruction 